the internet. Uh, don't you dare be sour. Clap for your world-famous commander-based podcast. And feel the power. It's a new show. Yes, it is. <laughs> Have you been hard up on the uh, the R.A.W. recently? R.A.W.? Yeah, kind of. I'm watching it now, and, you know, New Day just kind of came on and just kind of got stuck in my head. <laughs> I actually don't know a damn thing about wrestling. I just have guys who tweet about it constantly, which is almost yeah. as good. Good thing is, our, I'm pretty sure our wrestling-based listeners will really appreciate that as the opener for the show this week. Seeing as that we haven't had one in, like, two or three weeks, because, you know, I've been busy. All right, so we've got summer products to talk about. That's going to be in our community segment. Strategy segment. Stark actually volunteered a topic. He's going to talk about what, so he's asking us to talk about, uh, you know, when you're first making a deck, how you get to your initial 100, like when you're at that 110 mark and you have 10 cards that you just, you're not, you've really got to cut out something for like extra lands or something because you realize there's something wrong with your deck, but you're not sure what to cut. So he's asking for some insight into our process for that. And then for technology, fuck, I don't know, but we'll think of something. Exactly. And if we get there, we get there. And if we don't, we don't. But you know what? It doesn't matter because we're going to have an amazing episode. Let's do this. Yay, Rob Jenkins! All right, I'm getting right into it. And dude, I almost got screwed over today because of that. And technology. So I think that we we got a little Commander Cast connection there. Maybe. Tenuous. Tenuous at best. For community, strategy, and technology, hosted on mtgcast.com and our home site, commandercast.com. We're recording this on February 24th, 2016. Wait, is it, 20th, is it the 24th already? Yes, it is. Ah. It has been 24 days in the month of February already, sir. Wow. It, it, hold on. It's 2016, so this year's a leap year, too. Yeah. I, we get an extra day this month, so, you know, there's that. Alright, so I'm the host of the show, William. He's my perennial co-host, Calvin. And Calvin, this this weekend just completely snuck up on me. Uh, the weekend snuck up on you? Yeah. Uh, the weekend pretty much didn't do anything for me, but that's perfectly fine because, you know what, I could care less. I'm here and I'm doing an episode of Commander Cast. What more could I ask for on a Wednesday night outside uh, of potentially standing in a gun range and shooting some pistols? But that's okay. I'll do that later. Marka! All right. All right, so maybe you can't ask anymore, but I can always ask more. And what I want to ask you, Calvin, is who's your favorite commander this week? My favorite commander for this week? Strangely enough, let's see. I got a chance to head over to my brother's house this past weekend, and we were playing around with the commander decks from the, um, what is it, 2016? The new ones? 2015. Those are 2015, right? Yeah, 2015. I, think I got a chance to play around with a few of them. I would have to say, I think that um, Azuri, Azuri, the blue-green one, is a great commander. But man, is he a bitch to play against. But if I had to pick a favorite commander this week, I would probably have to go with Daxos. Because 
I really did get a chance to really enjoy making myself some spirit tokens, some enchantment spirit tokens, and pumping them up and casting some enchantments. And my brother thought that after he got rid of the commander that it went away. I was like, nope, these tokens stay this size. So all I got to do is put them back down and just churn some more of them out. And then he just kept sniping the commander every chance he got. But that's okay because I sniped his commander every chance he got. And then we got to a point where only one of us actually had enough mana to cast the commander and he got the stick. Um, phrasing? You got the stick? Ooh. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Which stick? Huh? No, I mean stick on the board. Like, you know, uh, right action. Okay. Okay, so, all right. So, my favorite commander this week is going to be Sidri Galvang Genius. So, first time in a couple of weeks, I actually managed to get down to the local cane shop and play some commander in paper, which is a nice changeup from actually playing Moto. I love the alpha build project that I'm working on, and I'm actually uploading videos onto our YouTube channel as we speak. They're going to be unlisted, so they can go up on Monday... Which is the same day you same day you guys are listening to this on the Patreon. So I guess Mondays are just going to be the de facto day that I try and get the videos up on Patreon. So hey, Monday you get Command Cast Show and you get the uh, Alphabet videos if you're up on Patreon. But I got to try the paper version, and you know what? I had so much fun talking about the combos when we were doing our combo episode last week that I decided to take Sidri down to the game shop, and I just barely won that on the skin of my teeth with this com- with just her crazy combo engines. I'm drawing, I'm getting nothing but lands. Like, I don't even have enough artifacts to fuel the Forge Master, but I do have the Intruder Alarm out. I'm staring down the barrel of, like, one, two consuming aberrations that are just big times big. There's, like, a teamer guy, but he hasn't done a whole lot. In fact, he hasn't been flashing his stuff, despite the fact that he has Vidalcan Orrery, partly because he's borrowing someone else's deck, and he knows that if he doesn't actually flash stuff in, he's just going to make the guy mad from how wrong he's been playing it. So he's just doing that. But meanwhile, the consuming aberrations like, are... Like, I am intentionally missing the deck just to piss you off. That is exactly what he was doing. Like, it got to the point where uh, he was actually beat. The guy who lent him the deck was literally shaking him by his shirt saying, Dude, your guys have Flash! Use it! I'm good. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm in a bit of a pickle here because the consuming aberrations have actually milled away a lot of the tech I have. Like, I can Forge Master to get Shroom to get, like, something back. But if I do that, I'm actually just going to have to sacrifice the Forge Master itself. But you know what? It's whatever. I managed to, to draw into a draw spell, draw a couple artifacts. Okay, now I can try and Forge Master and search something. But I've only got, like, 30, maybe 40 cards left in my deck at this point. So I'm searching, I'm searching. I go, okay, I can get Shroom back. Shroom can go ahead and get back the Mirror Battlesphere. And I've got time sieve out. So if I do this right, I can get at least one more turn. I might have to lose my fortune master, but I can still try and do it. So Battlefield hits the trick, hits the field, makes a bunch of mer, all those mer, all those guys trigger the intruder alarm. So I can go ahead and untap the forge master. But then the teamer player goes, yeah, yeah, no. And he flashes in a bogarden hellkite to deal five to the forge master before he untaps. And I just go, ah, just, Oh, that completely messes me up. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can sacrifice the Forge Master to the Time C, get one more extra turn, but I don't think I can even do anything on that turn unless I get a good draw. Until the guy who was lending out the deck pointed out, you know, the dragon just gives you another intruder alarm trigger. Oh! You're like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm convinced it was partly out of spite for how much this guy's been getting trolled all night. Partly because it's also, he's also just a nice guy. He's like, oh, you, uh, this is how you can win. So with the Forge Master untapped, I can go ahead, sacrifice the Battlesphere as tokens, get up my Transmas- or Master Transmuter, 
you can start blinking, uh, blinking into your room over and over again so I can get one more turn and set up. And now I can just go ahead, cycle through my deck, get all the artifacts out. Hey, Tezzeret's on the field, and I've got a Time Seed. And I can get Academy Ruins with this Expedition Map. So now, not only am I never going to deck myself, I'm just going to keep doing taking turns over and over again until Tezzeret Limit Break kills you. If I didn't get that combo that turn, I'd literally just die to a giant-ass Consuming Aberration. But still, that's what I love about the deck. Just the crazy amount of cards that it takes to pull off that win. Uh, yeah, had to stretch for a second. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. All right. So, now, as you might have noticed, it's just me and Calvin tonight. Uh, Clay took the night off. Mark's still uh, hanging around. In the MIA. Event. Yeah, still M- MIA. Still, still on a hiatus. Uh, we thought we had a guest showed up, but they never got back to us. Hopefully, they'll get back to us soonish so we, uh, we can have them on. Um, actually, as an aside, Calvin, would you yes, mind sir. would you mind taking over the uh, guest scheduling again? Uh, I'd have to check with my schedule. But if I'm able to do it, I'll probably be fine with it. Okay, thank you. Because without my laptop at wor- work, it's oh, I I lose like the few time the the little time I have to actually do commander cast stuff when I don't have anything else. I haven't been home a lot recently. All right, so if you like our podcast, go ahead and consider donating some to our Patreon. You know, we go ahead, we put up articles every every week. We've got a video series going up now, so you get a little so- something back. Because for a while we were operating in chest tip mode, but now we can go ahead and give something give something back. So hopefully you'll be inclined to give something back to us. We can just go ahead and keep giving to each other. But listeners, keep in mind that just because we have content for you to give out to, it does not mean that you can't just give us the tip. And just a tip, ladies and gentlemen, one single dollar, and that can be all you would have to donate. Split that bad boy in there. If all of our Command Cast listeners donated just one dollar, I'd be able to pay my rent every month, guaranteed. And that, that helped me out a lot. I get, I did get my tax return in finally, and I'm take, so I'm taking my car in to, for some maintenance, and hopefully it doesn't eat too much of that. But hey, if you can go ahead and check out our show notes, we're gonna have a link to the Patreon. We'll also have a link to our YouTube channel, where I'm doing my best to keep up with posting our episodes on there every Monday. I managed to do it last uh, this week, but the first time it, uploaded, it like failed uploading or whatever, so I'm like, ugh. So I actually had to stay up just long enough to get it going again. And thank God the uh, the Fillmore Windows thing editor actually has that shutdown computer feature because without that I would actually just be staying up for stupid late while it uploads. So you can go ahead and check out our episodes on the YouTube's now with the Commander Cast channel. And if you want to go ahead and follow along, get in on the uh, the conversations, go ahead comment in our uh, below our show notes on our Facebook. You can hit us up on the Twitters and in our Reddit forum. There's a link there too. Today on Commander Cast we have uh, some loose topics. Together. First up, we're going to go to the community, and we're going to talk about the summer products that got announced. Just kind of a, a small blitz of, hey, new product, hey, new awesome product, hey, took a look at this awesome stuff. So stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Bootios. Right. They make sure that you're not booty. So, for our community segment today, we're going to do a little bit of catching up. We haven't done a real newsy type thing recently since kind of want the episodes to be uh, timeless. Kind of thought that the community segment would eat more of the news. Uh, there hasn't been any real commander or just magic period newsy type stuff until now. And actually, let me go ahead and throw in the dual decks here because those are coming out the Friday when uh, before you guys are here. So, this actually came out last Friday, I think, according to you. 
Just, for ye old listeners. So, first things first, Eternal Masters. Yes, Eternal Masters. So, so basically what that said is, is a new summer product that'll be coming out. It's going to be an eternal version of what we got with Modern Masters. A few more cards that are outside of the age range for Modern, but not on the actual reserved list. So it's not like Legacy exactly, but there will be some Legacy staples that are in it. Uh, one of the main cards that has been previewed for it is the everybody's favorite blue counter spell, Force of Will. Yay! And, and let's see, what was the land for it? The land was uh, Strip Mine, I believe, right? No, 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 it was Wasteland. Ah, Wasteland. Ah, yeah. I, I always get them cards confused. And it's got that really sweet art of the uh, the Modern Masters City of Brass just blowing away in the dust. Like, the, the, the art for these cards is actually incredibly sweet. They've already announced that it's going to be a $10 a pack you know, booster box. Probably going to be like Modern Masters 2 where... Each box is just a draft pod type uh, box. You're going to get like 24 packs. I'd expect retail to be about 240 a box. But when you're getting yeah, a... that seems about right. Yeah, but when you're getting a Force of Will and a Wasteland, maybe even multiple Wastelands. Well, potentially, potentially getting a Force of Will or a Wasteland. Not guaranteed, but potentially. Potentially. And just other types of stuff. Like, we could be getting, you know, Jason Mind Sculptor, Stoneforge Mystic, Umazawa's Jite. Uh, here's a question for you, William. Do you think... Tomagoyf will be in this set. Um, I actually don't think so. It wouldn't surprise me if they did, but at the same time, um, I could see them not wanting to include, you know, cars that are already showing up in modern. It wouldn't surprise me if Tomagoyf wasn't there, but at the same time, I don't think that's what they want to do in the set. Well, see, the thing that would, the thing that gets that I was thinking of is like Tomagoyf showed up in both of the modern master ones, correct? Mm hmm. And I was like, you know what, it's Eternal, so let's talk about some cards that are played in the Eternal formats that we can reprint. And one of the major cards there would also be Tomagoyf. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that they will reprint it a third time in about, what, years? But I wouldn't put it past them, because, you know, if they were to do it and it wasn't a set, you could potentially crack a box that had a Force of War and a Tomagoyf in it. You would be a happy camper either way. And then I feel as though, like, if this were the case and Tomagoyf was in there, then this would be a chance for it to be its fourth reprinting. Potentially not saying that it would bring the value down of all the Tomagors in the world to 25 cents or whatever, but you'd at least have a variety of them that could potentially be picked up to, you know, maybe help both of the Eternal and the Modern formats. Yeah, no, I totally hear you on that. Uh, my concern, though, is aren't there, like, just a bunch of really great stuff in... Legacy or vintage that aren't on the reserve list that we would want to take up slots other than Tomagoyf. I mean, just strictly as a commander player. Like for a commander player, Tomagoyf isn't that great. It's a two hundred dollar bill, yes, but I mean, yeah, for a commander player, Tomagoyf wouldn't be that great. I'm not saying it for us. I'm just saying it for just the community in, in large. Whereas it's one of those things like, look, if it was a set for us, it'd be like two hundred and forty eight legends. It'd be like uh, Kamigawa. No, all it, over again. It'd just be the uh, the printed version of that legendary cube thing, which was actually not that fun to look at. It might not be fun to look at, but at least it'd be like, hey, here's 250 commanders that you can now use for whatever. All the decks that you could possibly think of, we've got 250 options for you. You know, that's just saying if they just felt like, you know, doing something of that nature. Hell, if they just printed a set that had, like, I don't know, let's just say 30 commanders in it. Or 40 commanders in it, give or take, and then 200 other commander-based staples. You could draft that 
box completely and then, you know, build a commander's set or, you know, maybe like a tiny leader's kind of deck around it. Honestly, I think I'd rather just take the um, uh, the Legacy table because when you think about it, there are a lot of really gr- great commander cards that show up a lot in, in Legacy. You know, the Stormforge Mistake, the Amazon's Jitte, and the stuff like that. You know, Jace, this would be a great ch- chance for people to actually get their hands on a Jace the Mind Sculpt, which was only ever reprinted in the From the Vault 20. But, like, Deathrite Shaman is another great card. But, uh, ah, it's not modern legal, but at the same time, it's in the modern era. So I don't know. I, so I don't actually know. Hmm. This, yeah. this is tricky. But this would also be a good place to print all of those modern, all the cards that are on the ban list in modern, to have them available for you, say, if said cards were ever to come off that list, or if you just wanted to use them in the other eternal formats to try to build something legacy-ish, but not exactly legacy, because, you know, you would still need a few other key cards that you wouldn't have complete access to, and you'd have to replace those cards with Shocklands. Yeah, I mean, you t- we're not a legacy podcast, but that was actually the big concern about whether this was actually going to help legacy or not, because with modern... You know, stuff like Tarmogoyf and all that, they can hold their value because it actually gets more people into modern and there's no real problem. Like, you don't have to worry about them dropping value because people still want to pick up that product, right? But the big barrier to entry for Legacy are the lands. Like, people could play Shock lands, but if you actually want to be competitive, you need to pick up revised duels. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, as far as the, you know, lands are concerned, that is a major issue as far as trying to get into Legacy. Which is one of the reasons why it's like Legacy, I feel, is a great format. I have no issues or quarrels with it. But damn, man. Because it, it's just one of those formats that, in my mind, is just destined to inevitably just die and go away. Yeah. Not but- because of the fact that, you know, I, not, not because of the fact that I want it to die and go away. It's not like I'm trying to say down with Legacy. But it just seems like one of those things where there's going to come a point where no one's going to have access to these lands because they're going to be either so old and used and played and damaged or whatever the case may be, or they're going to be bought and set and served and kept in their cases and just to accumulate value. And it's kind of like vintage, you know? Can you play vintage? Yes, of course you can. But can you play, like, but you don't, you rarely see like official vintage tournaments. It's a format that is just, almost impossible to gather up enough cards to actually hold like a 240 man vintage tournament on a star city weekend or like a major grand prix or gp or whatever yeah no i totally hear you on that and i just look at legacy and i'm like legacy is like vintage but it's just it's just barely at the point now where it can continue it can be around for a while but there is inevitably going to come a point in time where that format is not going to be a viable option to hold a tournament for because you're not going to have enough of the cards available for one reason or another. And, you know, that's not saying there's anything wrong with Legacy. But what I am saying is, is that with Woods and their current reserve list policy, these are two formats that people want to play and people want to do, but they can't as much as they would like to. And because of the way their rule setup is, where you can't use proxies, but you can't, you know, go against a reserve list, they're just two formats that, you know, are great right now. And they're okay, they're still around, but uh, oof, until we can actually figure out a way to get past it, I don't think it's going to be able to be around for much longer. 
Yeah, well, that's I wouldn't it. be surprised if we got another format called Eternal or something like that, and it just kind of came in between where Legacy and Modern stands. Nah, Aaron Forsyth already shot down that idea because people were actually asking, oh, is Eternal going to be a new format? He's like, no, no, Eternal's not a format. Like, we call Legacy and Vintage Eternal formats because they encompass all the cards. Like, Command is an Eternal format because it just has all the cards. But Modern is just a non-rotating format because it doesn't include all the cards. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like, a format similar to that where it includes the cards except for the ones that's on the band list, and the ones that are on the band list are the ones that are on the preserved list or something along that nature. You mean Modern? Exactly. All right. So that's Eternal Masters. Modern is the new Eternal. It is. So that's Eternal Masters. I'm actually, I actually, uh, it didn't take a lot of convincing, but I did agree with my girlfriend to go have these on a box of Eternal Masters. So that'll be really slick. The other part of this is that we have Conspiracy, which at this point we know as Conspiracy, the Empty Throne. That might actually change by the end of the week if that, if this keeps up. They actually haven't shown the, uh, set symbol for it either, interestingly enough. So, Calvin, this has been kind of screwy all week. I'm going to walk everyone through this. So on Monday, I believe it was, they announced Conspiracy 2, and it was uh, Braga's Reign or something like that. On Tuesday, we had a Long Live the King moment when Brago just got straight up shanked in the neck by someone. It looks like it's like a magic stake or something. So Brago was dead, and apparently he's now double dead. Now it's Wednesday. He's been exercised. Yeah. Total fit. Completely. So now we're on day three. It's Wednesday. And they've re-announced Conspiracy, The Empty Throne. And the best part of this is if you go down and look at the uh, the release notes, the number of cards in the set got scratched out from 221 to 220. So, yeah. this is And this is laid out to come out in August. I'm looking at Eternal Masters. This is going to... Eternal Masters is going to come out in June. Which means... And then in July, we're getting Eldritch Moon, which is the second Innistrad set. And then the month after that, we're getting Conspiracy 2. It's going to be a summer filled with magic. And we haven't yeah. had that in a while. And, you know, one thing about the Conspiracy sets that I personally am starting to really enjoy is that they feel like the modern version of Unglued, you know? Yeah. It's like this is the set where Wizards gets to just kind of play around and do some stuff that just has nothing to do with the format whatsoever. Similar to, like, what they did with Plane Chase, where they had the big cards and Arch Enemies, but, you know, instead of actually making, like, really big cards, they get to kind of do what they want on the actual Magic cards and just shut up, Navi. I thought you were dead. <laughs> Apparently they didn't hit her on the range. <sighs> but anyway, so yeah, so it kind of gives Wizards a place where not only can they just play around with some Magic cards, get a chance to do some weird and fun interactions that have nothing really to do with the actual game itself, and they have their little conspiracy cards that they can use, excuse me, and potentially go ahead and go a little bit forward with building other cards and coming up with other mechanics that they just couldn't feel comfortable putting anywhere else, similar to what they do with the Commander product, where they can make certain Commanders or make certain abilities that wouldn't really feel like something you'd want to see in an actual set, because it might be a little bit too much. But it's nice to see that they have these venues and these options to do these things. Yeah, the part that bothers me, though, is... You know, now that I'm playing... That Brago's dead? Actually, no, I'm not that upset by Brago being re-deaded. Uh, He's been exercised. Total fit. Judson pointed Told this out... that joke twice. Yes, you did. And Judson pointed... I, I don't care. Judson pointed this out to me on Twitter, that some of the conspiracy cards that would actually be a lot of fun to play on Moto aren't on Moto. 
Because remember, those conspiracy cards actually got on there in the uh, the vintage cube, uh, vintage ma- yeah, the vintage masters drafts, and that's actually kind of disappointing because there are some cool cards in there that you know kind of need to be. Actually, I'm going to go on to MTGO trades right now just to check to see, make sure that my baby is on there. The uh oh the black the black green enchantments. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now. Is it called El Nuts? No, it's not El Nuts. El Nuts could not be here today. It was ah yeah, oh, damn ah damn it had now I have to head to Magic Cards info to figure out what it was. So we're gonna look yeah. up we're gonna look up a black green enchantment with gold morbid death Reap ritual. Okay, so that did make vintage masters. Okay, whew. So yeah, death Reap ritual is one of my favorites, and it didn't ma- make it into vintage masters, but there are just cool cards out there that didn't like some of the uh, the parlay effects. The uh, the squire custody. There's like a one with par not parlay, but it comes into play with one one counters equal to the number of creatures on the field, and you can remove a counter to take off a spirit. I believe that's what it was. Or no no, it, there was also no no. It was the um, uh, custody squire. I want to say that was actually the yeah that was the will of the council spirits. Where when it enters the field, everyone's gonna vote on stuff in your graveyard, and you get one back based on which has the most votes. Like, just really cool stuff like that that I'm not actually going to get to play on Moto and put into the Alpha build. Which, the Custody Squire would totally make it on the Alpha build. It's not the first time that I'm not going to get to play stuff like Helmet Shatsuk in the Alpha build because they're not on Moto, but at least with original printing Alpha type stuff, there was an excuse. Whew. Still, though, Conspiracy 2, Dead King Boogaloo. Looking forward to that. Okay. And then, finally, I'm going to send you a link to this in case you're able to look at it. We got the full deck lists for Blessed vs. Cursed, which are coming out apparently this Friday, February the 26th, so last Friday for you listeners. I really like that Toppelgeist. Like, I actually just like the whole Blessed deck list period. Apparently, we already knew that there was going to be a Geist of St. Trapped in this deck. I was not one of those people. Uh, this, you know, if there was like a leak or a preview or, or something, you know, I just completely missed it. I posted it onto the Facebook page and consequently onto the Twitter. And it was like, yeah, we already knew about Geist of St. Traps. I was like, wait, what? Since when? Since ever. Geist of St. Traps was guaranteed just because it's Geist. I, I don't hate the new art, but I kind of miss the uh, the angel in the background for him. Hold on. Hold on. Come on, Skype. Pull up. There we go. Go back to messages. It show me messages. Show me this deck. There it is. Okay, Captain of the Mist. Whenever another human is a bad word, untap your... God, untap... Whatever... <laughs> untap Captain of the Mist. You may tap target... You may tap or untap target permanent. Okay. That's going to be fucking annoying. Well, that's already a card. Like, that was the... Uh, that was an episode restored. I know, but still. That's just fucking annoying. Irian Tulude. Exile any number of target... Previous cars that are better food under their owner's control at the beginning of it in the next instep. So that's going into all the link decks. Let's see here. Pour over the pages. Draw three cards. Untap up to two lands. Then discard a card. Okay. That's acceptable. Uh, let's see here. Compelling deterrence. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. The net player discards a card if you control a zombie. <laughs> uh, tooth collector. Whenever two collectors enter the battlefield, target creature and opponent controls get a minus one, minus one. 
at the beginning of your opponent's upkeep, if there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, target creature that player controls gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. Okay. That would be great for my um, dentist-based deck at some point. Huh? Tapu Geist. Flying. When Tapu Geist enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls. At the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, if there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, tap target creature that player controls. I actually like that one. One one spirit. I actually really like that card. Hmm. Like is this Slay, Slayer of the Wicked? It's a little ghost that goes poop. Okay. Hey, there's a grave crawler in here. Yeah, there is. Uh, let's see here. Ooh, if that's the case, let me see what enchantments are here. Are we gonna get uh Let's see. Nope. There are no enchantments in the deck. Oh well. There's like bonds of faith in the blessed deck. But I actually kinda like the cards that they give you here. Like the Harvester Souls is a really fine EDH card. The room binder I understand, is but like, you know, whenever I see zombies or a deck that has zombies in it, I kind of always just kinda of wanna look to see if it has a copy of um uh uh, uh, what was that black enchantment that gives you zombie tokens? Oh, uh, yeah, the number, Endless like, Ranks uh, of the Dead. I know endle- that. There we go, Endless Ranks. I really Because every time I see a deck that has zombies, I always want to see Endless Ranks, period. Actually, when I get these decks, I'm going to make my girlfriend play them with me because blue-black zombies is something that she enjoys, too. I'm actually going to modify the decks. Like, I'll put Endless Ranks in the Curse deck, and I actually got right. an extra copy of Entreat the Angels, so I might put that into the blue-white deck. So, yeah, I, just, I could easily see picking this up and then just taking the blue-black deck, making a few modifications to it and turning it into a blue-black uh, zombie-based deck with, what Grim, is it? Grim-Grim? Grim-Grim at the helm? Yeah. Because there's already a tons of zombies in here, and there's a few cards that could just be added to it just to kind of round it up, and you just need the commander. Yeah, it's, it's got the Fulcrumrath Noble, too. That's nice. Like, it's got the Fulcrumrath Noble. It's already got the Grave Crawl, which is one of the more important pieces of that deck. It's right. got seven of the Bloodlines, good removal, Barter and Blood's good. Uh, I actually really like the compelling deterrence. Ah, cobbled wings. Every time I see cobbled wings, I had, I remember Mark Rosewater's, uh, design story, where originally that card was supposed to be Witch's Broomstick. Like, we actually could have just had, uh, given our cruisers a broomstick and go, ah, she's a witch! Ah, she's a witch. Burn her! Well, maybe when we go back to Innistrad, Broomstick will be there. Maybe. I would enjoy that. I mean, you know, missed opportunities on all, you know? You know, you know second chances. Yeah. Well, but see, uh, I, no, actually, mixed opportunities, fourth and fifth chances. There we go, because we've already had three sets on Innistrad. Could have been any one of those three sets could have had Broomstick in it. See, I'm looking at the blue-white deck, and I actually just love this deck. Like, it's got three uncommon angels, it's got spirits, it's got a lot of blinking and flight, very evasive-type shenanigans. It's got the increase in de- it's got two cats of talent for increase in devotion. Like, this actually just is a deck that I would love to play with. It's got flyers, it's got tokens, it's got everything, it's got tempo plays. So I actually really uh, like these. The Geist isn't bad either. Right now Geist is like thirteen somewhere between thirteen and fifteen dollars. This version's not gonna be as expensive, but it's still a Geist and Saint Trap. It's still one of the more powerful cards that you can actually just play. Especially right. if you want, want and to And he's play. also and, he, and you know and since he's a legendary creature, if you bought this, you already kinda have a commander. You just have to slap him there and add a few more cards and boom. Blue white spirits deck for your EDH games. Yeah, there's actually even yeah, you don't even have to play as blue eyed spirit, you can just play as like the basis of a blue eyed blink deck and it's not horrible. Exactly. And meanwhile, you Commander, you've got some blink stuff, you got some spirits, you got a couple of ways to go, and there's more than enough room there to kinda of take it either or or take it a third different route if you so choose. No one's judging you. I can actually just imagine Except me. I'm totally judging you. Shame. I can actually just imagine Eric and Noel talk about how terrible the decks are. 
Yeah. <sighs> like, see, that's the thing. Like, you know, like, seeing as, like, I'm not saying, like, because you have to remember, these are pre-constructed decks given you to our, by wizards. So, for the sake of argument, what wizards want you to do, they want you to buy this deck and then go out and buy some other cards to add to the deck to make the deck better. Oh, you like the way the deck plays? You want to add a few other cards in here? Go out and buy a second copy of the decks and just kind of merge them back together. Take a few of the ones you didn't like in the blue-white out and take a extra ones from the other one and put them in there, and you now have a blue-white crappy deck and a blue-white okay deck. All right, so I think that about takes care of it for announcements, unless you can think of something else. Uh, I have chicken. Yeah, but you usually have chicken. Usually. All right. So that about does it for our catch-up of the announcements. Uh, they did mention, let's see, they announced Eldritch Moon, but that was a few weeks back, well, with the Liliana art and all that. Apparently Liliana is just kind of, oh, did you not see the, uh, the picture for Eldritch Moon? Let me go ahead and pull up, let's see, MTG Eldritch Moon. For the last few couple of days, I've been busy, you know, taking care of myself and dealing with a few mental issues. So, pardon me if I haven't been on the internet. In fact, there's an, I have about, a few, a handful of shows of the stack that I have to edit up that I was supposed to have done, but I didn't because I was. <sighs> All right. Well, I sent you the image for the uh, the announcement page type thing, and uh oh. So I'm gonna keep going this because it, I think it's still recording. All right, there you. Are. Yeah. Apparently, Skype didn't want to hear that depressing shit. Oh well. All right. So I sent you the image for the Eldritch Moon. Uh, announcement. So we've got Liliana summoning up a massive horde of zombies once again. Uh, purple lightning striking down castle yes, mountains does. in the background. So just really awesome stuff. Uh, Nahiri is apparently back on Innistrad, want to make, wanting to make Soren's life miserable for not doing his job and showing up when she called him. You had one job, Soren. Alright. I don't so, even know what that job was, but damn it, you fucked up. He did. So, yeah, Eldritch Moon's going to be a thing. We're going to have a whole summer of magic. But for now, we need to go on to our next segment. If I could just find the shows. Ah, yes. All right. So for our strategy segment today, we're going to go ahead and we're talking about, you know, coming up with the uh, initial draft and cutting down to that original 100 that you really need to start with. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Ah, uh, bless your heart. Alright, so... The gods will smile down upon you, sir. I... I thank you. Alright, so let's go into strategy then. Alright, so... You are a great man. Even my with, drunkenness is not something that can ever be bypassed. Even when it's just the two of us, he finds a way to interrupt me. Just two of us. He's gonna try and talk and I'm just the two of us. I interrupted myself. <laughs> <laughs> So, with the uh, with, with the failure to kind of uh, sync up with one of the guests that we were planning on having, kind of decided to hit up our listeners for our topics. And one of them was El Starco, Stark Maximum. Hey, buddy. Hey, Stark. And so, he kind of decided that he wanted to know, how do we make the cuts to our initial drafts of the deck? You know, obviously, when you start playing a deck, you can actually start figuring out where you need to start fine-tuning. You know, like the Martian Wanderer deck. I was playing it last night, and I realized, well... I really need a way to filter these expensive-ass cards out of my hand and get some cheaper stuff. You know, get that stuff back into the deck so I can, you know, mouse them into them instead of having to cast them the fairway. But 
what about when you're first drafting the deck? You don't want things to just be absolutely miserable. And at some point, you really need to just kind of, you know, take a shit and get off the pot. So, Calvin, when you're down to, like, the last 115 to 110 cards, how do you make those last 10 cuts that you need to? All right, so it's down to the last 115. Don't want to cut no lands. We feel we got a good mana base going, but we still got a few cards that we need to get rid of. Let's see we have 40 lands. We already have our commanders. At least we have 74 cars here. 15 of these bad boys, 14 of these bad boys have to go at least, right? Oh, yeah. Or 15 or so, depending. So normally what I do at that point, like, you know what, okay, let's divide these bad boys up and let's see how they shake out. First, we grab up the removals, put them to the side, you know. Then we grab up the creatures, put them to the side. Then we grab up all the enchantments and any particular combos that we want to put into the deck, put those to the side. And the first thing I normally do is, okay, is there anything in this deck that I have to keep here because I need it? For what I plan on doing. Is this a combo deck? Okay. What's the combo? Good. These cards with this combo, they're automatically included in the deck. Don't even have to think about it. They're automatically going in there because they're the reason I'm playing the deck. Right? Right. Right. All right. So, let's see what else we have left. Okay. Let's look at some of this removal. Do you feel like you got enough? Do you feel like you need a little more? If you got enough and there's too much here? Let's say you want to have about, like, eight to ten pieces of removal. You know, maybe, like, three or four wrath-like effects and about, like, six spot removals or at least conditional things like your cyclonic rifts. And, you know, yeah, you're at the point where you wanted to have ten, but you got fourteen. Okay, well, let's put them down. Let's rank them. See where they fall. How many of these do I feel I would actually get a chance to play? Or if there's a particular one that you're used to playing and you have cyclonic rift and you're always playing cyclonic rift, this might be a good chance to take Cyclonic Rift out and put it to the side. You're never going to forget it. It's one of your favorite cards. But this could be an opportunity for you to put something in you don't normally get to play. Give it a run for a few weeks. and If you like it, it can stay. But if you don't, you know exactly what card to cut it for. The Cyclonic Rift, right? Right. Right. All right. So we've cut about four cards out of the extra removal. we still got about ten cards left. We ain't got nothing else for our combo piece. And we've got a few creatures and a few enchantments and, you know, Maybe it's a few more instants and sorceries or whatever just lying around on a planeswalker here or there. All right, well, let's go straight to the planeswalker. Do we need them? Mm. If it works with a deck, if it's a blink deck, like say, for instance, you're playing a blink deck and you've got your Vincer. Okay, sure, understandable. He does do some blinking and you're going to want to keep him. But, you know, say you're playing a deck that has red in it and for some reason you put in Tybalt, you sorry bastard. And Tybalt ain't got nothing to do with your deck. Your deck ain't got nothing to do with the graveyard. Ain't got nothing to do with random randomly discarding anything and He's just kind of there because you thought he was cool. Yeah, this might be the time to tell Tibble to go sit down and wait his turn. Bench that bad boy. So let's just say we found a planeswalker. It works. We're not going to cut it. Okay, fine. Make things difficult for the captain. Let's go ahead. Let's go over to the creatures. How many creatures do we have? Is it the amount that we would need for this type of deck? If we're playing aggressively, we're going to need a lot of creatures, especially if it's a creature-based deck. If it's a control deck and we've got a lot of creatures... Maybe we need to cut some of these creatures down and bring up a few more removal spells. If it's one of those mid-rangey decks, you know, maybe we're still light. Or maybe we're overpacked. But you won't know until you count them up and determine how many you got and what you don't need. Okay, let's just say we count the creature base and we're about four creatures more than what we need. We're trying to look at, let's say, 30 creatures and we're 34 for whatever random reason. All right, well, let's lay the creatures up and put them up onto the curve. 
casting calls from one to wherever the hell it stopped at, potentially Eldrazi. Now, with all the creatures that are in there, do we have the mana base to go all the way up to the top? Because granted, any creatures that's in the one drop or the two drops or the three drops are pretty much guaranteed to be played as long as you've got lands. And if you got 40 lands, chances are you're going to hit three mana at some point in the game. So your early drops don't really need to matter. Unless, of course, you're just overwhelmed and you have, like, five one-drops and only three of them really do anything. In which case, okay, well, let's look at these bombs. Okay, fine, let's say you have a creature in your deck that has a converted mana cost of eight. That's not that bad. It's bigger than Titan. It's not as big as an Odrazi on most cases, but, you know, it's a decent size. Is it possible that we'll ever actually get around to casting it? Of course. But, you know, let's take a quick look at this. Where does this eight cost creature fall onto our on our on our creature curve? If all of the creatures that we're playing have a converted mana cost of one to five, that means six, seven, eight. This guy kind of just is sitting out there like a sore thumb. There's a potential thing that could win, but let's be honest, there could easily come a lot of times where this bad boy is just going to sit in our hand and he's going to get tossed to Tibbled. Hmm. All right, so let's just put him to the side for the moment. We'll determine whether or not we can cut him because you know maybe we have enough creatures to be able to pull this off, and we really don't need this guy. Or maybe we have too many creatures at one particular spot. We've got, for some reason, seven six drops. Is there any reason we have seven six drops outside of the fact that we just wanted all the Titans and uh, Worm Cool Engine? And for some reason, we found another six drop that we decided to want to put in there? No, you know, but hey, whatever. Whatever floats your boat. If it works, it works. If it's something you want to do and give it a try, you know, hey, that's the thing. But you have to remember, you know, you have to have bombs. You have to have ways to win. That's the only way you're going to win is you got to have ways to win. But, you know, sometimes you have to do a little give and take. Maybe you have one too many big creatures, and you could probably make the cut to get rid of one or two just to kind of bring the deck size down to where it needs to be. But if you don't want to cut the creatures, your creature count is right, okay, fine. Out of your creatures, we're about still four creatures over. But you know what? Hey, let's say you wanted to keep that. We'll move on to your other instances and your other sorceries and your other enchantments and a few of your other cards, like your artifacts are in the deck. If your artifacts are fine or you have something in there that's weird or quirky you want to try, sure, maybe you want to hold on to it. But if there's something in there that, you know, you don't really need to put in there, that's a staple card that's, like, it's not a soul ring. It's not a solemn simulacrum, but it's like your dreaded satchel. It's something that you constantly have, but, you know, you don't really need it, but you do like using it. This could be a good chance to take it out just to give one of the other cards you haven't used another chance similar to what we did in the removal package. And... Continue the process over and over again until inevitably 15 cards are on the side and we've got a 100-card deck. And those 15 cards on the side are cards that we can easily take and put back into the deck after we've played it and got rid of some of the other cards that we didn't like. Because trust me, in this format, you don't want to constantly stick with your staples because you stick with your staples all the time. The end result is, is that you're never really going to get a chance to experience a newer card until someone else plays it on you and you have to read it on the other side of the table and you're in a bitching moment. Yeah, I really think that the curve is probably the most important one to look at first and foremost. You know, if you get I'm not arguing, go ahead. Yeah, go yeah. Ahead. There's, really, there's really nothing else for me, to, for me to add. You already hit hit it up. For me, uh, I just rambled on for I don't even know how long that was. No, no, let me look here. Ah, uh, let's see. Hold up. Skype Hold process. up. I rambled on for a good like I don't know. Let's just say seven minutes. Ah, seven minutes, and that's some that's some good ish stuff. I've had to take apart and rebuild decks quite a few times. I almost did it again with Daxos when I was getting ready to, to rebuild Eile, but then I was like. I don't know. I kind of want to give Daxos some more playthrough runs to see if I really want to switch over to Eile. I really like the fact that I could play Moon Silver Spirit and Eile and have it be really good, though. So, I, I don't know. But when I start working from a pile, and I get to that point where I have, like, 
you know, somewhere between that 10 to 15 extra cards. It's at that point that I go, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take this pile and I'm going to restart. So what am I going to need to play the deck? Well, I'm obviously going to need the lands. The lands are a guaranteed loss. Let's look at the core of the deck. What am I trying to do? What is What can I absolutely not play this deck without? Am I using Daxos? Well, I for sure know I need these enchantments. You know, Daxos doesn't run unless I'm explicitly playing these enchantments. You know, this is the core deck. This is stuff that you can't actually swap out. And I'm and from there, I'm adding in my interactivity. I'm adding in my enablers. You know, just kind of going, okay, what do I strictly need to play this deck and to play a game of Magic? Once I start getting closer to like the 90 slot, once I get once I've already included like 90 cards. That's when I start looking at the swap outs and the ratios and stuff like that. Because the last 10 cards, I'm trying to get to the point where I can say, okay, these are the 10 weakest cards. And I can swap them out for more experimental type cards. Like if a new set comes out and I want to try something cool or janky or something, you know, just to shake up the deck. You know, those thoughts of what it's for. But once you start getting to that point, you start looking, okay, what is going to get into the deck rather than what I'm trying to cut out? And that's just kind of a... um um I guess it's just kind of a mental trick for me. It's easier to try and evaluate cards based on what's going to get in rather than what I want to cut. Does that make sense? Cause like, no, that makes perfectly sense. It makes perfect sense because if you have a deck and you have an idea of what you kind of want to do with the deck, it's easy to just be like, okay, well, these are the cards I know are going to be in here. Anything else other than these are optional. They can easily just be moved to the side or taken out. But I need this. I can't build a blink deck if I don't have blink cards and blink mechanics in it. So these cards are kind of automatic. And then once you've got those automatic includes that you already have set, then, you know, yeah, it's good for you to sit down and be like, okay, I've still got like another 20 card slot and I have 35 cards left. It's easier to determine out of 35 which 20 are staying. Yeah, it almost becomes kind of like a, a barrier to entry point at that point, right? Because like if you're looking at that you have, like, as soon as you max it out to 100, and you're like, well, I have these 15 cards that I want to put into the deck, and that's where it starts feeling more like a, okay, there's this card I want to put in, let's go ahead and see what it would trump over. Like, if there's a card where, if I'm, if I want to put in a, you know, a new counterspell into Noyandar, and I go, okay, are there any cards that it just straight up replaces? No, that's, that's rarely going to be the case, because at this point, I already have some of the best counterspells in my collection that I can get into this particular deck. Well, okay, is there any other effect that I would want, I am okay giving up with, to just have another counterspell in it, you know, to change the ratios a little bit? And usually it's not, so I just kind of have to admit the fact that, hey, you can't actually play all the cards that you want in a single deck. And that's kind of the reality that you have to accept when you only have so many decks or you want to make the tunings you want to this deck, is that you're not going to be able to play everything in that deck. So you have to make the t- you just have to make the tough decision of okay do I want to play the thing that's better do I want to play the thing that I think would be better or am I just gonna say I don't really care about what's better I just want to play with this particular version right and the thing is sometimes it's not always the best version of the cards you want to play and you know granted having a having counter spell in your deck great if you have force of will in your deck great but you know what just because you have it doesn't mean you have to play it here you know you can always just build a decent deck and. Some cards you just kind of want to play. It might not be as good at force as well, but it might have something ability, some ability on it. it might have be able to scry you something, or it might be able to do a, some other effect for you. And you know, hey, if your deck is built correctly, it might it might not be the perfect counter spell out of all the best, but at least it's something, and it gives you something to work with. And that's really all I ha- have with it. You know, it just kind of 
I don't know. There's an analogy here where it's, you know, the, the sculptor has the block of marble and they're not really, you know, building a statue out of it. They're just kind of taking the parts of it that aren't the statue away. And if you go into deck building with that mindset, you're just going to have, you know, a, a mess. It feels like you're going to have a mess that, oh, I can't cut this because it does this. Oh, I can't cut that because it does that. You become that person where it's like, okay, we got to get rid of the clutter, but you're just so attached to everything else. All right. And there's nothing wrong with getting rid of the clutter because, you know, if you just want to build something or play around with something, go right ahead. And besides, if you have the cards, you always have the option to just put the other one to the side. Now, if it's like a purchase option, like you have the cards built and you have the deck put together, but you haven't purchased it, then, you know, financially speaking, you may just go with the cards that fit into your budget a little bit better and then potentially upgrade to the other ones later. Say, for instance, you don't have a Force of Will, but you have a deck built that has the Force of Will in it, but you do have another type of counterspell that's not as good as Force, but it's, you know, a lot cheaper. And, you know, if it fits your budget, go right ahead and get the other one. You don't need to necessarily buy a Force of Will just to give it a try and then, you know, determine that you don't want it. At least that way you can kind of work financially from a lower spot to a higher one. Yeah. And that's about it. You know, the first draft, it's actually a a little bit of an effort, a little bit of a... A project, at least in terms for me, because I can't just throw a deck together. There's always like five or ten-ish cards that I do build the deck for, but by the time I start finishing up the deck and I can stand back and take a look at what it looks like, I go, oh, I can't actually play that card that I want. So that's right, and, you know, tweak it so I can try and shoehorn it in there, but... It's not the card you wanted, but it's the card you needed. Yeah. And that's all I have for this particular topic. Calvin, did you have anything else? Boops. All right, then. So, let's go ahead and, let's see, did we have a technology segment? I don't think we actually did. Nope. We're doing it live. Ah, damn. I can't think of anything that's actually technological. Let's see then. Hmm. Innistrad. Hmm. All right. So, here's what we're going to do for technology. Me and William are going to go ahead. We're going to step out of the strategy segment so I don't have to edit too much of this out of there. And we're going to step into technology. You want to know what it is? Stay tuned. And we'll be right back. You know what? Let's do a versus. Like, let's do, okay. a, like, let's have a small debate where we go point counterpoint for two different cards. Two cards that do something similar, but they're different enough where you have to ha- actually have an argument. Well, would you do this or would you do this? With no. Legendary, or is we just going with just card? Uh, let's just go card. Oh. Like, we could do legendary, but. But. Um, actually, you know what? We haven't done but, we haven't done a commander throwdown in a while. But so yeah, commander throwdown. Let's do a commander throwdown. There we go, commander throwdown. Ring the bell. today for your listening pleasure ladies and gentlemen squirrels and girls everywhere we bring you the return of the commander smash throwdown today that's right ladies and gentlemen no kids allowed unless they are girls or they're little baby squirrels no boys all men all women and girls and squirrels all right so today to honor the late fallen king calvin will be championing brago king eternal 
Wayne in at 2-4 for two. White and blue, you get a legendary creature spirit. He has flying, so he's going to get around there. And when Braga, Queen Eternal, deals combat damage to a player, exile any number of target non-land permits you control, they return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. So it's a straight hit you, you blink, you miss. And opposite him, my champion, we're going to go with Rune of the Hidden Realm. Weighing in at a massive 4-4 four, four for two green, white, blue. Rune is a legendary creature rhino soldier with vigilance and trample. But wait, that's not all. With a wave of his magic bubble wand, he has tapped and paid two. Exile another target creature. Return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. There is no why not both here option, folks. It's either one or the other. Only one is going to come out on top. So I am going to go ahead and grab a coin, figure out who is going to make the counterpoint argument first. Calvin. So my view for it here is, or before I go into that, so basically what we're saying here is we're going to debate over who is the best Blink Commander. And we're basically choosing from an eternal ghost king who has recently died and lost his throne, so he wasn't all that eternal, versus an overweight cheerleader with a spirit wand that happens to make bubbles when it decides it wants to play and perform during halftime. Fucking bubbles! All right, Calvin, call it. Uh, I'm going Tails. All right, it is in fact Tails. You have the first draw. All right, so my view for it is, yes, while Bronco does have to make physical contact in order for his blink effect to work, that also means that he's going in there and dealing some commander damage, also allowing him to be able to do a few other tricks and kind of, like, you know, potentially knock out an opponent. So he can pretty much target one guy, kill him with commander damage, while the rest of your team can attack the rest of the crew. Whereas against the Rhino, you know, you kind of have to do his effect and, you know, bubbles and shit. I mean, he's bigger, but still. Plus, with Bravo, if you kind of want to be able to try to get your team just to come in earlier and just keep blinking them in and out, you can always just give them first strike. Hell, you could even give them double strike. Not only will he hit somebody and blink you guys out and you get all those ETB effects once, but then he'll hit them again. And you get all those ETB effects a second time. Is Ruin doing that for you? Is Ruin helping you out like that? Nope. You know why? Ruin's too fat. Ruin can't make those kind of moves. He's not that agile. No, he's not that agile. But Rune hits like a truck when you get him going. The fact that Rune, you know, only recently lost Prophet Krufex is a hit, but it's not that huge of a hit. You still have other ways to really abuse his effect. You know, because he's got that green in him, you still get the Pitch of the Orochi. You can still get your Seaborn Muse. Hell, you can still get, like, your, uh, the, what the hell was it? Was it Murkfiend Leech? I want to say it's a Murkfiend Leech, the green-blue one that untaps, that untaps the creatures. You can even get... You can even get that damn prophet, uh, not the prophet, but the actual god Krufix out there. Help generate that colorless mana that Rune's going to end up using to blink stuff out. So yes, while Bronco actually has a lot more of a wider, more explosive, okay, get all the blinks all at once, the fact that Rune can actually keep snowballing it into advantage, because remember, he can also do it in response to stuff. You know, Bronco, yes, he has that incredible on-hit blink all the things power, but Rune allows you to play a much more re reactive game and actually doesn't require you to hit. Because the fact that Brago actually requires you to hit can be a significant deterrent. You know, he's only got a 2-4 flyer. Sarah Angel's a 4-4. And people don't play Sarah Angel because she's not big enough for her cost. Brago's going to have a hard time if he actually can't connect to anything. Rune, Rune just needs to sit back there. He can even just sit down in his big old easy chair, click his magic wand remote control thing, go, okay... What's on the next channel? Blink. Next channel. Blink. Next channel. Blink. 
and just start coming up with this huge advantage you can't overcome. Now, well, granted, yes. Rune can continuously take out things and hit the, the pull out the remote control and flip the channels and blink at will. You have to also remember, he has to tap for it, too. You can only really get a chance to do it once per turn unless your deck actually finds another way to blink him out so he can try it again. In which case, then why don't you just use that blink effect on something else? But with Brago, yeah, he does tap, but he only he doesn't have to hit just one thing. Yeah, he's time-restricted a little bit more than what Ruin has available to him. Yes, his colors are more restricted because he only has access to white and blue, and Ruin has access to two most broken colors in Commander, blue and green. But that does not necessarily mean that Brago is any weaker. Well, physically he is. But still, you can always go right ahead and you can put some other equipment on him. You can Voltron him up, use him to smack some stuff around, get some enchantments going on there. Hell, you're playing white. You can just go right ahead and play like your cruci- your, uh, 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 god. Enchantment gives creatures plus one plus one. Steal the go- uh, your glorious anthem? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, you can just toss glorious anthem in there and turn Brago into a 3-5. And, you know, he'd still be just as good. And his other creatures would still be just as good. And there's a few other cards that are in there that he could just go right ahead and just do it. Because he can just reach out and touch other permanents and just bring them in. But see, if you're going to get there on just, like, pure beatdown Bra- Brago-type stuff to help I'm get always going to get there Rune on is, pure beatdown. Rune is just better. Like, Brago has the evasion, but Rune has some really big bulk. Like, they can't actually chump block Rune. They actually have to throw something really big at him. And if it's something that's really big that you don't actually, you know, care, one, you wouldn't be swinging Rune at him. But two, Rune could blink out whatever would support nasty surprise. Like, you try and throw out, like, an ambush viper against him. Yeah, Rune has that ability to save himself. Granted, Rune has Vigilance, right? Yeah, Rune has Vigilance. He has Vigilance, uh, and he has Trample. Plus, any sort of augmenting that you can do to Brago, you can actually just throw into Rune, and because Rune has that two extra power and those two keywords, he's actually just better for it. Like, you could throw a Steel of the Godhead on Brago and make him unblockable and lifelink and all that. But with Rune, that actually turns him into a six pa- power and toughness commander with Vigilance, so he can protect himself on the backswing, too. And don't get me wrong, they both have their own forms of evasion where Rune has Trample and Brago has his flying. But you have to remember, with Trample, yes, Brago can be blocked by more creatures. Where Rune, where Brago, where Rune can be blocked by more creatures where Brago can't because flying can't be blocked by ground guys. And technically all Brago needs is a 0-6 wall to get in his way. And, you know, now he's just kind of sitting pretty until something else happens. Unless, of course, he decides to blink it or whatever the case may be. But with, with, with Brago, yeah, there's fewer creatures that are flying. You know, there would be a few around because you're playing a multiplayer game, and there would be a lot angels, there were demons, there were fairies. But still, at least Brago has the option to be able to kind of get around a whole bunch of them. Okay, but see, here's the thing that Brago can't do. Brago can't play his blink game defensively. Rune can. When you're staring down the barrel of a giant-ass Ulamon, who's about to eat a third of, or a fifth of someone's entire deck, Rune can be the only guy keeping Ulamog from devouring everything. Before he even attacks, Rune can go, no, Ulamog, go away for a turn. Come back when we can deal with you. What's that? We can't deal with you yet? Go back away. Come back later. He can just keep pushing huge threats like that away until you actually get the answer. The fact that Rune can use his ability defensively, reactively, makes him so much better than Brago in terms of blinking utility. Right. Well, if you're going for a more control-based way of blinking things out, then yes, Brago uh, isn't really all that great for it because he would much rather hit somebody. And yes, while Rune would be much better on the defensive play, 
You have to remember that if you are playing a Blink deck, you're not the only Blinkers that's going to be in a deck. You're going to be playing other stuff that has Blink in it and be able to bounce stuff, and you're going to be able to do it. And Brago, also being in blue and white, has just as much access to as many control cards as Rune does. And with Brago only being two colors, his deck has more space to include more control cards. Where Brago, you're probably going to want to squeeze some green cards in there because you're going to need the green mana for him at least also making it a little bit harder for him to be cast, depending on when your deck decides to give you the extra mana needed. Whereas with Braga, the casting would be a lot easier. Braga would be also able to do more things, and, you know, he'll have a chance to have just as many, or if not more, counter spells and Path of Exiles and whatever other removal spells than, Bra- than Rune would have. Lest you just decide to build a Rune deck that has nothing but blue-white, in which case you'd have been better off building Braga. But see, anything Braga can do... Except for that initial burst of sudden blink effects, Rune just does so much better because he, it can be incorporated in there. Yes, Braga would be, rather be smacking down his opponents. Rune can, in fact, smack down his opponents. He just does whatever the battle actually feels most natural to actually do it. Rune is a lot more flexible than Braga. Braga's that stiff old guy that says, no, we have to do things my way. This is the way that we have to do it. Rune realizes that with the, any sort of battle, you have to be willing to adapt and to optimize what the current situation is. What's that? The only way we can get out of this is by teaming up with that other guy and blinking out his thing so that he can get, so that we can get rid of this huge ass creature or that enchantment or God forbid that Microsoft Lath that's making our lives miserable. Okay, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, but you see, here's another reason for why Brago would, you know, potentially be better. You're saying that Brago is stiff, and yes, I'll admit he may not be as flexible as he used to be in his younger days, but that doesn't mean that he can't go, still get out there and work the field. And with with Rune, one of the main things you have to remember is you kind of got to pay for that blinking. With Brago, you ain't got to pay. You just slap Brago down and, you know, any blinks he do are free from this point forward. You have open matter to play other things and to do other things and to still be able to play other cards and build your board presence and diminish your opponent's board presence. Whereas with Rune, it's like, yeah, I could do this. But I gotta remember to hold back some of this mana so I can threaten the activation of Rune. Oh, you didn't do anything? Okay, well, I guess I could have just played this other card instead that turn. Oh, well, I guess I just missed that opportunity. Brago doesn't let you do that. Brago wants you to go ahead and play your cards because he knows that you know that those cards deserve to be played and they need to be on the field so that he can make them disappear and then reappear as he sees fit because he is the king. No, but see, that's actually fine, because with Rune, you just go ahead and you hold up that mana just like anything else. What's that? You need to hold up mana so that you can actually counter magic, but you don't want to go ahead, you just don't want to do nothing at all? Well, that's fine. You go ahead, you hold up your mana for your commit, your counter spell, your cryptic command, or whatever else you need. What's that? They didn't play the bot, the game ending creature, or, you know, Genesis Wave that you were afraid they would, because they knew you had the counter spell? That's fine. Rune can go ahead, main phase two, blink out the eternal witness, and the turn, eternal witness comes back, gets you a thing. Arcane Master gets you a thing. Simic, uh, snake, oracle, yeah, simic, yeah, oracle, was it oracle snake guy? Oracle of simic snake thingy. Yeah, that one. That hey, so you'll either ramp you up so that you have even more mana next turn, or just straight up draw your card. The fact that Rune has so much better targets because he's also in green is another reason why he's better than Brock. His buddies are just better quality. You the acidic slime. You know, strip mine every turn. Uh, primal, let's see. Woodfell Primus. There we go. Woodfall Primus. Terracidon. You want an army of elephants? You have an army of elephants. You've got elephants. You've got elephants. You've all got elephants. 
Just so many more blink targets in that green. Being able to loop things back with the Eternal Witness. Disgusting. Yeah, but here is one of the other key things. While Bronco does have more additional creatures that he has access to, because he has an entire color. You know, I'm not going to say anything is bad about that. I mean, you know, having more options is good. But with Brago, you know, don't sleep on blue and white. I mean, he still has his Frost Titan and his Sun Titan, and he still gets to go ahead and dip into artifacts like his Worm Coil engines, and he can go right ahead and still touch up on those uh, Solemn Simulacrums. And unlike Braga, and unlike Rune, Brago at least has the option to hit all of them simultaneously, meaning that not only can I get my Sun Titan to get back something because it attacked, and not only do I get my... Um, Frost Titan to free something up, and I get to go ahead and get a card when I play my Solemn Simulacrum. Once Brago hits, I get to do it all again in the same turn. Oh, what's that? Rune can do it? Yeah, but you know how much damn mana that's going to cost you? It's going to cost you a lot. And you're also going to have to figure out a way to get his fat ass to get from being asleep because he's tapped himself to do it once. He's tired. He just can't get around as much. Yeah, he can be diverse. But the thing here is is that his diversity really only depends on what his deck will allow him to do. And the things that will allow him to untap are the same damn things that could have been in Brago, allowing him to do the untapping. And Brago could have easily have untapped those things when he attacked, allowing them to do stuff again. Aha! But here's your folly, Calvin. Anything that would let Rune untap or get extra untap effects are things that are going to end up breaking him. For example, you start doing it with like a Palacron, you can go ahead and untap stuff, you got your 1000 year elixir, you can use the untap rune, so you can tap and untap something else. The fact that rune has so many more enablers to just straight up break stuff and enable infinite type combos. Like, go ahead, tap all the things. You Guess what? You don't get to attack me with creatures anymore, because rune's just going to keep blinking them all out. You know what? You don't, Wrath effects don't work anymore, because I'm just going to keep blinking things out. And you know what? I'm also going to say that one thing that was protecting Rune. What? You try to get rid of the thing that's protecting Rune? I just blinked that out, and guess what? We're going to go ahead and get saved again next turn. Just over. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't stop the wrath effects. The wrath effects would still hit them. One and two. Are you really going to play the Palacron card? Really? Are you are you really going to go there? Me and you both know that that card is another card that should technically, from all player standpoints outside of the busted blue players who decide to play it, should potentially be ready to go on the reserve on the ban list at any given point in time. Don't be trying to go ahead and try to do some weird busted broken combos. And besides, we're also playing blue and white. There are potentially other busted broken combos, and just because Rune can do it doesn't mean that we couldn't also do it in Brago. Go right ahead and get yourself a... What is it? Uh, What's the blue creature that blinks everything that has the pairing? Deadeye Navigator? So, yeah. I mean, you know, Deadeye Navigator can easily go with Brago, and you can still put Polychron in there, and you could still go ahead and do all the infinite blinkings and whatever you want to do. And you don't even need to worry about the green, because you got white and blue. You can go ahead and just pay for it, and it's not like you got a bunch of green mana sitting around that you're not going to be able to use. But, can you do it at instant speed on other people's turns? No, if you, you can't. Not if you got Deadeye Navigator... But Deadeye Navigator, but that just means that Rune has Deadeye Navigator, too. Yeah, and Rune has it, too. But what I'm saying is, you know, Rune can do his infinite things. But, you know, there's other ways to do infinite things in Brago. While, granted, Rune may have a little bit more diversity in his color cards and his abilities to have other things in it, that's a good thing in his favor. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative for Brago, because Brago could do the same thing. He wouldn't just have to worry about additional color cost. If you don't have enough blue mana, that's one thing. If you have enough white mana, that's one thing. 
But with Rune, if you have multiple green manners and still don't have enough white and blue, then you know what you're doing? Nothing. You know, with Brago, that next land could easily just be used to feed him. But you know what? Because I'm nice, I'm going to point out something that you haven't yet that does swing things back into Brago's favor. The fact that Brago can blink non-creatures. Well, I don't know what the card reads. I'm just kind of going by what I memorized. <laughs> yeah, Brago says you can, what is it? you can blink out any non-land permits. Rune says you can only blink out other creatures. Ooh. Okay, well, you see, there there you go. There's another reason to go for Brago. He can hit things, and he can bring back enchantments, and he can bring back artifacts. He could do lands if he needed to. Well, no, he can't do lands. No, not lands. Non-land permanent, that's right. I heard you. My bad. He could, he could do it, but still, he could still do other things. If someone's threatening to blow something up, yeah, he might not be able to do it instantaneously. But, you know, if you've got a card on it that has some charge counters, if you use all the charge counters off of it, Brago could easily just refill it for you. And you wouldn't even need to use Proliferate. All right, so I think Calvin and I have reached an impasse here. So we're going to leave it up to you, Commander Cast listeners. Who do you think actually wins this Commander Cast th- throwdown? Rune, the hit of the Hidden Realm, he with all the right earners and fantastic bubble wands, or Mr. Stiffneck over there can't handle, even handle a simple shanking? Hey, 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 it's not a simple shanking. He got exercised. He's a fucking ghost! How do you die when you're a ghost? He's an old man that got a, they, they put in a gym, a total gym, and he couldn't take it. He ain't Chuck Norris, goddammit. All right. I told that joke three times now. Three Do I times. care? No. All right. So that does Total it. Four. That, uh, that does it for our technology segment. We're going to give you the contact information for where you can go ahead and tell us your opinion, your votes, in our outro. Alright, that wasn't half bad. You see, you see there, William? I told you we could do it. I had faith in our abilities. Life is good. I'm alive. You're alive. We're doing something fun. And you know what? That's all that matters at the moment. I've got a smile on my face and a penis in my hand. Is this my penis? Maybe. Alright then. I'm not sure if I should be, I'm not sure if I should be disgusted or flattered. Alright. <clears throat> I can't, not both. Thank you, Manicast, episode 238. I want to go ahead and thank Calvin for coming out here tonight. Calvin, thanks for having my back, man. Uh, no problem. I do the best that I can to be available when I'm available. Unless, of course, something occurs and, you know, my phone goes down or Internet decides it doesn't love me anymore or life gets a little bit too hard and the captain has to go to the bottom of a bottle to find his true friends who help him out a little bit every once in a while. It's, I get by with help from my friends. A little high with some help from my friends. So, which bottle are you going to the bottom of? Uh, I don't even know. I'm not drinking right now. But, you know, I haven't had a drink. And I intend on drinking soon. And there will be a bottle. Maybe it'll be a bottle of Guinness. Maybe it'll be a bottle of Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. Maybe it'll be a bottle of Hot Sauce. Not sure yet. But it will be a bottle. And I'll be at the bottom of it. And I'll probably be sick from drinking the contents. Hey man, when it comes to Hot Sauce, you put that shit on everything. I put that shit on everything. All right, so, Calvin, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Well, if the listeners out there want to reach out and contact the captain, it's very simple to do. All you've got to do is go over to Twitter and hit me up, at Captain Red Zone. Or you can hit me up with an email in Gmail and catch me over on Gmail with CaptainRedZone at gmail.com. 
Or, if you're inclined to, you can jump onto the Facebook page. Commander Cast has a Facebook page that we use constantly. I'm on there, William's on there, Clay's on there, the Waffle Corn is on there, and we're all moderators. And there's a few other individuals who happen to be on the Commander Cast site who potentially have access to it. And we will all comment and post and do what we can to reply to your responses. But don't forget that Commander Cast also has a Reddit page to go over to. WaffleCone's in charge of that as well. He's posted up our articles, and he posts up links to our shows and the various content that we do provide throughout the week. And if you want and you like Reddit, you can go over there and hit us up on over there. All right, and I'm pulling up the iTunes right now so that I can... So, while William is pulling up the iTunes to determine whether or not we have any five-star listeners, the captain is going to take this brief moment to remind you to Commander Cast as a Patreon that you can reach on over to. We are no longer in tip mode, but we have content that we can provide to you at whichever tier you happen to select. But if you don't want to go that high and you just want to throw something into the jar and give us the tip and just a tip, you can donate one dollar a day and we won't complain. Put that dollar in there, slide it in. iTunes up. Yep, iTunes is up. I am not seeing any new reviews. Last one was, in fact, February 4th, so we are still looking... All right, so, seeing as how we currently have no iTunes reviews, listeners, CommanderCast is available on iTunes. All you got to do is go over to iTunes, type in CommanderCast, and you'll find us under the NTGCast network. We're also available on Stitcher for you Android users out there. Go right ahead, hit us up, and listen to us as you will. All CommanderCast Prime... Commander Cast based website shows such as Rivals Duel and The Stack and Deck Builder Spotlight and Squirecast when it returns will all be available there immediately the day that they're posted. Music for our show this week is The X Meets Heavy Metal by 331E Rock. And we will see you next week with more community, more strategy, and more technology. But until then, William. We completely skipped over my information. Fuck your information. <laughs> All right. So you want to get in touch with me? See? How does it feel? How does it feel to have someone skip <laughs> over your fucking information? Let's huh? get it, folks. Huh? <laughs> All right. You can reach me. I am W-I-E Hernandez at gmail.com. You can also follow me on the tours. I am at BlueRam1409. That's also my MTGO handle, so if you want to go ahead and get send me a friend request on there, I'll go ahead and add you. So if I'm recording the Apple Project and you happen to be online, you happen to see me, uh, go ahead, hit me up, and we'll see if we can get some games. And maybe you can show up on the Apple Build videos. CommanderCast, we are CommanderCast at gmail.com, and follow us on the Twitters, we're at CommanderCast. And like Calvin said, you can join us next week for more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it! So, right, ladies and gentlemen, this episode of Commander Cast has been brought to you by Frank's Red Hot Hot Sauce. Frank's Red Hot Hot Sauce. I put that shit on everything.
All right, that was good. That was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. See, I told you. I'm psyched. I'm pumped. It's kind of interesting what you would do when you have a fucking gun in your face. No kidding. <laughs> like, Jesus fucking Christ, man. <sighs> so how was your weekend then? Uh, let's outside, see. outside of the whole gun thing. Uh, that was just that was this morning. Uh, over the weekend, I spent most of the day spending time hanging out with my son, spending time hanging out with my daughter. I took my son to Boy Scouts, and I got a chance to lead one of the Boy Scout packs in reading of a chapter and helping them work on getting their next merit badge. Let's see here. What else have I done? Uh, Monday, I did a whole bunch of work and didn't have to go to work yesterday or today. Might have to go back tomorrow. Uh, so I basically spent two days sitting in the house. Most of that time, I've sat around watching TV, exercising, uh, up to the point where I can do about 240 sit-ups in a single day at the moment. I'm trying to work it up to 360. Uh, I need to work on my push-ups. Currently, I'm up to about 50 to 60 a day, which I find pathetic. I went out to a gym today to determine about gym memberships so that I can have somewhere to go to exercise at some free weights and potentially do some boxing and train myself a little bit better so I can be a little bit more badass than what I already am. Is that even Let's possible? see. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more things that can make the captain even more badass. I went sword fighting on Friday. What? Yeah. There's a class in New York City that my friend goes to on Friday nights. And basically what's there is there's a group of individuals who are trained sword experts, and they teach a Jedi class where they teach you basically how to use a lightsaber. Huh. But in the same token, the techniques you're learning on how to use a lightsaber, kind of depending on which type of um, sword you decide to use, kind of trains you in how to wield like a spear with a, uh, a staff with a speared staff or a potentially a katana blade or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, the three most popular sword stars that I can imagine off the top of my head are broadsword, fencing, and katana. Right. And, you know, they show you how to operate those swords while using them as lightsabers. That's not bad. Right. And, you know, they also have, like, you know, some, they do live performances and stuff like that. So you get to do some acting and, you know, force choke a bitch if you feel like it. You know, do a force push as long as you and your significant partner, as long as you and your partner have everything choreographed and you kind of discuss things on what to do in a fight in a battle. You get a chance to do some, like, you know, fighting and understanding of everything. And the class teaches you how to wield a weapon, which I've done Friday and I intend on doing again this Friday. Pretty soon, I'll be going out to go to a gun range here in New Jersey so I can get a chance to get my hand on some firearms and practice getting my aim on. Shortly after I end up doing that, let's see if the thing with Jim works out correctly, which I would have signed up for today, but I don't have the money for it because of earlier events. But that's okay. I'll get around to doing it. I'll end up picking up some classes, learn how to do some boxing, build myself up a little bit, get myself nice and toned for my birthday, which is the end of next month. And, you know, just working on me. Yeah, I actually wanted to do kendo for a few years, but I just, there just wasn't anywhere local that could do it. Although, in, I believe it's in the, uh, I don't want to say Illinois. Was it Illinois? Iowa. No, it was probably Illinois. It was either Illinois or Iowa, one of the two. There's a guy called Samurai Dan. He's a traveling comedian, but he's also a kendo instructor. In that state area type thing, he comes down to, for conventions in Ohio uh, every so often, and his stuff is brilliant. Like he'll, he'll actually ha- teach you stuff like, "Hey, here are some, you know, just some uh, demonstration type basic things we're going to put on a show," or you know, how to identify real katanas for, for from like decoration katanas, stuff like that. Right. But it's 
really, because it's also just a comedy routine. I actually fell out of my chair at one point, and he was like, yeah, I, I, are you, are you okay? I kind of don't want to have to explain why someone had got head injury in my, you know, uh, in one of my panels. And my girlfriend looked at me and said, yeah, they're not going to be able to tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Just, ooh. Ooh, roasted by your own girl. Yeah. But hey. But hey. I give that's her a, love. A, a applause for wordplay. I think I actually loved her more after that. Oh, ain't that sweet? Yeah. Uh, a new show I got a chance to watch to our Legends of Tomorrow. Ooh, tell me about that one. I haven't heard of it. Uh, have you been watching the CW lately? Have you seen a Flash and Arrow and all those shows? Nope. Okay. Well, for a quick rundown, CW made a show called Arrow. Basically, it's a TV show based on the DC comic superhero known as the Green Arrow. And, you know, he runs around. His name is Oliver Queen. He's pretty much Batman on the show, but he's not Batman. He's a different type of character who uses bow and arrows to shoot people and whatever the case may be. And the show was widely successful, and due to its success, they had a spinoff show called The Flash, which is based on Barry Allen, DC superhero, also known as The Flash, who has been struck by lightning and mixture of chemicals and some other additional things, causing him to have superhuman speed. And then The Flash started doing very well, so now they're in the process of making some more DC comic book TV shows to go on to the CW. And the latest one they currently have is Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow basically is based on the concept that in the year, I believe it's 2166, the eternal villain known as Vandal Savage, who is immortal, who is basically an immortal human being who's been around since caveman ages because he got a hold of a strange meteorite that when he touched it, it made him immortal and smart. And now he's in the process of trying to conquer over the world. In the year 2166, he succeeds, conquers over the world. But there's a catch. There's an individual in that particular future who has the ability to time travel and goes back in time to do what he can to prevent Vandal Savage from becoming the evil world dictator that he is in 2116. But in order to do that, he has to go back into the past and collect a group of random superheroes who, if they died, will not change the course of history, but if they live, could potentially save the Earth. Imagine Doctor Who meets DC. Ah, okay. okay. So the show basically involves them doing a whole bunch of time traveling. Well, that was awkward. Hello? Yeah, sorry about that. Phone call came in. So basically the show involves a whole bunch of okay. time traveling. Okay, I, I thought something else was vibrating. Nope, that was my phone. So Yeah, or is it this penis that I'm holding? Who knows? But yeah, the show basically involves a bunch of time traveling, Randall Savage basically jumping back and forth between various years, like, not Randall Savage, the group of superheroes jumping back and forth between different times and places to find, here's a key point in history where Randall Savage gained this type of um, financial thing and we have to try to stop him and bankrupt him. Or here's a point where he got a hold of a nuclear warhead and because of it he was able to do this. And sometimes their actions actually makes the future worse. And then they have to go back to try to figure out a way to correct it in order to prevent the future from becoming even more worse than it was. But because the villains and the heroes that have been collected for this team, if they're alive, if they happen to live or die on the show, doesn't actually affect the future. Then and a bunch of them are smaller bit characters who are have been replaced multiple times in the comic book with other characters. There's a high possibility that some of them will die, and some of them will be close to death, and you kind of have to watch the show to kind of catch up. Yeah. We're about It's about five episodes in, and one of the heroes has already died. I'm not going to say which one. 
because yeah, you gotta watch the show. And I that doesn't necessarily sound like something I'll be getting into. Like I'm not a fan of the Game of Thrones style type things. Oh, we're gonna kill off. I'm not saying that they're going to kill off a character no, every episode, but, but it's just, you know, they kind of have to put it in there. So this way, you don't, it's not like, it's like if you're watching, alright, let's put it to you like this. If you watch Batman, or like, what's that show, Gotham, right? I would, I, yeah, it's that, called Gotham. There's, there's a show on Channel 5 called Gotham, and it's about Bruce Wayne when he's a kid. If you watch that show, then, you know what? The end result of it is, you see Bruce Wayne as a kid. You know Bruce Wayne turns into Batman. There's really no reason to worry about any time he's kidnapped or threatened with death, right? No, you're not worried, but you watch because you want to find out how he gets out of it. Exactly. But with Hero, with Legends of Tomorrow, if a character happens to be captured and tortured or happens to be in a position where they could potentially die, you worry. I mean, granted, there's a high chance that they won't die because some of them are key characters. But in the same token, they're, they are kind of expendable. And, you know, there's, there's a chance. There's a very, very good chance that they might not make it out. And see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not a fan of that type of tension. I'm one of those guys who thinks that, well, you don't really need death looming over you to have good drama. And if your character you like does happen to get off, well, then you just lost one of your favorite characters, someone that you spent time and energy getting invested into. And now they're just no longer there. Which, yeah. yeah but they are. But there are some other characters, but there are some, but because of the way the characters are designed on the show, like say for instance, uh, there's a character named Firestorm, right? And what Firestorm basically is, it's the superhero who is the physical embodiment of two people who touch each other because of this uh, nuclear reactional thing that happens between the two of them. Right. So let's say for instance, there's a... Say for instance, me and you both had the chemical compound or whatever event if me and you came near each other, we could activate Firestorm. And by doing so, one of our bodies would be the physical body of Firestorm, allowing him to move around and do stuff, and the other one would be the voice in Firestone's head, giving him guidance and directance. And by the combining of the two people, he has the ability to fly, shoot fire, all kinds of things like that, and whatever the case may be. But because of the way the character Firestorm is designed, if one half of this pairing died, the other half could still go on as long as they could find another person who met their similar genetic makeup, allowing them to merge and become Firestorm once again. Not necessarily saying it kills off the character. It does end up killing off a person, but not, you know, it does, but the character in and of itself can still continue. And say, for instance, there's another, there's two other characters on it. There's Hawk Girl and Hawkman. And according to the story, these characters have been eternally linked for since Egyptian times. They were lovers and they were murdered by Vandal Savage. And the curse that has been put on them means that they will die, but they will be reincarnated again within the next lifetime. And because of this reincarnation, they might not remember each other, but inevitably their past will catch back up to them and they will realize who they are and they'll have their powers again. In which case, Vandal Savage will locate them and attempt to kill them again. So you have some characters on the show that can potentially die and then just come back later or can potentially die and easily just be replaced. So say, for instance, an actor decides he doesn't want to be on the show for whatever reason. Okay, it's perfectly fine. We can kill him off and find someone else to replace him for the time being. You see what I'm saying? I I mean, I I, I understand it's 
I mean, it's yeah, that's why I did the Doctor Who comparison. There's a lot of characters on the show that, if they were to die, can easily be replaced with another actor in one shape or form to still have what is roughly the same oh. character, but with slightly different traits. Like, no, I get that. It's just not my particular brand of all gray. Like, yeah, I... You know, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. And this stroke is on a vibrating penis. Or is it? <laughs> I'm excited that there's a new season of Archer coming out. Phrasing. Or at least now I have a chance to get more versions of his phrasings put onto the show, outside of the initial five that I have. I mean, that's assuming that they actually do keep doing that. Archer I, Archer pointed out that they don't use phrasing anymore. Hey. Like, what did phrasing... Th- like, why don't we... Why, did, why isn't phrasing the thing anymore? Like, did that just get phrased out or, or what? Hey, look, I, I, I put it like this. There are some jokes that last, and there are some jokes that just disappear. I can't really say what happened to him, but you know, hey, sometimes some some jokes have an expiration date. Will they return? Yeah, maybe we might get a new version of it, or we may get the same joke again at another later date. For me tonight, I'm ready to cut to throw in the cheese. You about to cut the cheese? Yeah, That's bastard. Sure, let's go with that. I've got some cheese that needs cutting. All right, let's see. I'm actually that's right. I'm t- turning off some notifications right now. And that's right. Go fuck yourself, Nobby. So in the past three weeks, I've almost lost my life twice. I've been stuck in a hospital. I've been going through emotional states of all kinds. And strangely enough, right now, I couldn't feel more alive. So are you okay outside of the fact that you're out $200 and you're obviously not dead? That's the person I want. I'm not hurt. I didn't get hurt at all. I didn't get shot. I didn't get gun-butted or anything of that nature. I'm out of $200. But on the other end of the spectrum afterwards, I didn't even feel upset or angry at it. Because the only thing that I could think of is the fact that I made it out of it. And because I've made it out of it, I will get a chance to see my two kids again. I'll be able to see my wife again. So as negative as it is, it kind of helped put me in a state where I can actually see some deeper perspective. And my life is worth more to me. This would be technically the fourth time in my life that something's almost occurred where I could have potentially have died. I've been shot at once. I almost had that incident three weeks ago. This time with this one with the robbery. And there was one time when I was younger where I was almost ran over by a car. Alright! It seems as though there's something in this universe that's doing its best to try to take me out. But you know what? I'm still here, universe. Smite me! Oh, fuck you yeah! Tried? You tried? Oh, sorry to hear that. Because I'm back, and I'm black. That has nothing to do with anything, but I'm here, damn it. Oh, man, I'm getting pumped up now, too. What the hell? What? So, like, you know how YouTube has that recommended videos for you thing? Okay. Would it recommend something for you involving anal butt plugs? That's actually not that far off. Like, do you you know butt about waxing? you know about those like special mouse pads? Like they have those those mouse so that you can actually rest your wrist on them when you move your right. wrist. You know how like uh, there are some where the uh, padding is like uh, an anime girl's tits. Yeah. So I'm looking at one. Rather than her, her tits, it's her ass. And apparently there's a hole in there, and I'm looking at it, and this guy's sticking his pencil in there. So it's like he's <laughs> sticking his ass it's in the sun. Yeah, something like that. It's a pencil holder that's a girl's ass. This is very hey. what the fuck. Like, what's the actual fuck? And ooh, we have 17 subscribers on the 
Commander Cast channel. Yay, that makes me happy. Sorry, do you have a terrible bite of some chicken? Give me one second. No problem. Suck this sauce off my fingers. Oh my. Alright, I'm back. Show it to me. Show them to me. Unclasp your bra and set those puppies free. You look a whole lot better without that sweater. And I know we both agree. <laughs> if you've got those cheeks, and that's Spanish for titties, then stand up and show them big old titties to me. Then it gas got